Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I am once again joined by the incredible Ray Zahab uh, for the podcast. It's kind of funny. I was just looking back um, on our previous episodes, and uh, I have interviewed him. This is our third time having Ray on the show. Uh, I talked with him in April 2022, February 2021. So I'm like, this is like a great yearly catch up with Ray, um, which I'm extremely excited for and honestly honored. Uh, I know I said this in the intros to those other ones, other episodes with Ray, but um, when I first started the podcast, I made a list of names of people I would love, like dream guests I would love to have on the podcast and Ray was up there. Um, Ray is a world-renowned adventurer. Uh, In the other episodes, we talk about all sorts of various expeditions he's been on, what he's learned along the way. Um, But he's traveled all around the world, from the hottest places on Earth to the coldest places. He's taken on deserts, Arctic landscapes, and miles and miles and miles and miles of adventure. Um, This episode, I'm... I was really excited to talk with Ray. Um, this episode definitely gets more, way more personal. Um, and I kind of think it was this kind of idea of like when adventure kind of turns inward. Uh, so Ray was diagnosed uh, recently with kind of a rare form of lymphoma and spent the last part of the year going through chemotherapy treatments. And while also, and we'll get into in the episode, while also juggling responsibilities as a father, a husband, uh, and also an adventurer. I mean, he led an expedition across Baffin Island in the winter uh, in between these chemo treatments and kind of like scheduled it out strategically. Um, and I'm always fascinated by this idea, like kind of this interplay of uh, the things that we get like the gifts we get from an adventure, like the lessons. And I always just call them gifts. Like they really are. They're gifts that I carry through my life. Um, But I'm interested in when we get those gifts in an adventure, in an expedition, in an endurance race or something like that, how do we use those gifts in real life? Like when shit gets hard in your normal day-to-day, everyday life, how do we fall back on you know, some of those ideas that we learned in adventure. And that's what this podcast is about. Um, I was also excited just to hear from Ray and kind of get his perspective uh, as a dad and especially as a dad of athletes, uh, young athletes. And um, I really enjoyed that aspect of our conversation as well. So uh, I hope you all love the episode. Um, Definitely check out everything Ray is doing. He's an amazing guy. He's incredibly inspiring. Uh, very well spoken and just simply one of my favorite people I have on the podcast. So um, let's get right into it. Um, this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 334 with Ray Zahab. I am a lucky, lucky man tonight to be joined by Ray Zahab. And Ray, I know I've told you this before on the podcast and off the podcast, but like, honestly, I really look up to you and I kind of look to you as kind of like one of my heroes in adventure and, 
you know, exp- exploration and all of that. So thank you, man, for coming back on the podcast. I'm well, totally honored. It's an honor. I'm honored you'd say that. And, you know, at your words of wisdom, I've, I've, you know, retold your words of wisdom and credited you for that many times. The, your acronym for fail, the first attempt at learning. I stole I that. Just, oh, did you? Well, it doesn't matter. I credit you for it. And yeah, you know, Perfect. So it's great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Again. <laughs> I'm glad I, w- I want to reach out to uh, the guy. I stole it from this educator named Rick Romelli. And I want to reach back out to him and be like, hey, I stole this thing and now it keeps going because I want him to tell me he stole it from somebody. You, know? <laughs> you probably did. Well, it's it's a good one. That's for sure. It's first factual at, too. Yeah, man. So. First attempt in learning. But uh, but yeah, man. Well, uh, I know we were just kind of talking about this off air, but um, I know you've been through quite the year, dude. Like, And I'm so glad everything's, everything's okay. And I was thinking about you quite often uh, through through your journey. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much you want to go into it, but, uh, I do kind of want to hear about this idea of like, you're this guy who goes out and does these insane epic adventures and expeditions. And along the way you learn all these lessons that you get to carry with you the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden life throws a curveball at you. And now it's really testing you and you get to apply these lessons that you've learned out in the wilderness um can you kind of go into that like into that yeah, whole thing? you know it's 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 a really interesting you know it, how they say real life is always more interesting than fiction i mean you can't write this stuff and yeah. um you know last year i started feeling or more than a year ago i would say i started feeling a little bit weird tired all the time um but not like it, 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 to try and describe it, it, you know, when I first started seeing that my uh, went to my GP, it was like an exhaustion that was so like permeated into your body. It was just like the lack of ability. Like some days lifting your arm, my arms seemed like an impossible task. And I remember being that exhausted and thinking, maybe I have long COVID or maybe I have, yeah. you know, because you hear about all these things, right? Yeah. And as I was preparing last summer, I come home from an Arctic expedition on Ellesmere Island, and I was preparing and training to go to um, Death Valley to do a project. I was going to cross Death Valley at its widest point, west to east, in July of last year. As I was training all spring for that last year, I just simply could not recover from my runs. And if I did a long run one day, the next day I was a wreck. I couldn't run. I'd have to sleep, all that sort of thing. And my my wife was like, now you got to go to the doctor. Something's wrong. And long story short, they discovered their series of blood tests and blood work and all that. Not, not only was I anemic, where was this red blood cells going? But I was also, uh, my blood proteins were very high, indicating um, the very real potential of having some form of cancer. So anyhow, I went off and I did this project in Death Valley. I barely got through it. I mean, I was a wreck, but I got through it. And... Um, Lo and behold, uh, not long after that, a few months after that, I had a diagnosis that I had a very rare form of uh, lymphoma. And it was uh, a type that was affecting my body's ability to create healthy cells. So, uh, you know, the the way to treat this was with a combination of monoclonal therapy and chemotherapy. And so I started the process of doing that over the course of six months. And, uh, you know, I completed the entire process around a month ago, about 30 days ago. So I'm sort of climbing out of the hole now, but I never stopped during that whole time. And, um, 
you know, every month I would feel really rough. Like I would do the chemo and the blood work and all that. It was a few days. And then I would have a 25 day period where I didn't do any of it. And so the first few days of that 25 days, I was a wreck. I felt horrible. Then I would start to feel like I could get moving again. I would start walking, doing a very little bit of light running. And then I would eventually get to a point where I had 10 days or so out of each month where I felt reasonably well, yeah. you know, in between yeah. treatments. And it was, I took advantage of those 10 days. And one of the days I, or one of those week uh, and a half periods, I went to Death Valley with my youngest daughter, did some scouting down there for future projects. Another time I was guiding clients of mine in the, in the, uh, with Capic One in the Atacama Desert. I was in the Arctic doing an yeah. abbreviated version of an Arctic expedition, yeah. that I, a major yeah. Arctic expedition that I had planned that I didn't want to just throw the towel in on. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's pretty much, that, that was pretty much how I sort of faced it. I wasn't going to take six months off that I was going to just continue to do the best I could. And I was going to have to adapt my life in that period, um, you know, and, and, and deal with it. And that's what I did. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, it's really interesting, like strategically planning those things because I, I mean, I guess you can speak to it like, Mentally, did that kind of help you, you know, get through how hard chemo? Oh, hundred percent, it did. hundred percent, yeah. it did. Because it gave me a reason. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody else who reached out to me today, um, and they're they're from uh, the UK, and they they are about to go through chemotherapy for a different form of lymphoma. And I said, you know what? I I, I was telling them my mental strategy was each month, I, you know, I would. I would come out of the the chemo and the monoclonal feeling just like garbage. And it affects people differently. Like other yeah. people, some people that they're not that affected by the chemo, but it really made me sick. So anyhow, I would come out of it and I would say to myself, I'm investing all my time, all my energy in trying to be as healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally as I can be going into the next round of chemo in 25, 28 days from now. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was goal. So having a, you know, a, a primary goal each month, something that I was preparing for also made me focus on my nutrition, um, you know, my recovery, my ability to continue to train at some sort of level. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how I rolled with it. Yeah. You know? It's like that intentionality, like you're all of a sudden you are, are, you're almost like out of necessity, like, oh, I have to be really intentional about, you know, my health and all that stuff. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, you know that's absolutely what it is, and um, you know you you become driven by the desire to be as healthy as you could possibly can for the next phase, yeah. and then you get carpet bombed and you do it all over again. Yeah, you know, and that's basically how it went each month. Yeah, you know, so I had to refocus for six months. Every you know, I I would just get refocused, and I learned those skills from obviously from doing expeditions, yeah. right? Yeah, and I recently wrote a social media post where I said, "Well, you know what." Honestly, I do think this last six months is probably the hardest thing I've ever done because I was telling a buddy of mine the other day, it's like, you know, you talk to like a carpenter that whacks their thumb with a hammer and it hurts like hell. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it hurts like hell. I'm showing and, you my Band-Aid thumb. I just cut yeah. into it. Cut <laughs> so, onions. Just yeah. <laughs> and so imagine now if every month at exactly the same time, you know, you're going to cut oh, into that shit. thumb again or whack no. it with a hammer. So it's like, you yeah. know, it's coming and yeah. you know what it's going to feel like. Yeah. So, you know, 
that mental preparedness mm. that you get from doing expeditions kind of teaches you the skills, right? Yeah. So anyhow. Is there the whole like idea of like, hey, like uh live in the moment kind of deal? Like I try and it has to be hard not to worry about doing that again every month, but like is there part of part of your brain that's been adapted to that? through doing expeditions? Oh, for sure. Well, yes, that and the fact that there is no cure for what I have. So in yeah. two to five years on average, this is coming back, I'm gonna have to go through chemo again. Yeah. So my whole focus is then uh, be as healthy as I can possibly be because quite literally, like quite honestly, I will be in better shape at the end of this. I have more red blood cells even now than I did last year at this time. So already technically speaking, I'm better off than I was. So, you know, my goal is to get to where I was two, three years ago when I yeah. was at my absolute peak and feeling my absolute best. And I'm, I'm sure I can get there, yeah. you know? So, and, and, and having that two to five years of feeling awesome is worth it to me with the impending knowing that unless there's a cure, this is coming back, yeah. you know? Yeah. My, uh, my wife, uh, got diagnosed with cancer when we were both like 19 and I just remember her talking, she had like a thyroid cancer, which is like in, I think it's one of the ones that is common for like younger women. Um, mm -hmm. And she was talking to me how weird it felt that like all of a sudden this body that was, you know, that you're just used to, it just works, you know, like it's just normally like it just works and we take it for granted. And now something's gone wrong and it's kind of like, turned on itself and she just said that was such a weird part of the whole the whole thing you know and and, yeah, and obviously like when it first happens i think that has to be just such a huge paradigm shift with how you're living and then obviously like you you you're living with it now like it's just part of you that you're you're dealing with you know like i don't know i just thought that was so such an interesting way to describe it to someone who's you know hasn't experienced that before yeah it's super interesting the way you put that and the way she put that because it is it is true i mean it's 100 percent. It, it's it, everything's it, you know i hate to use the word surreal but it's yeah. the only word i can think of like it just yeah. doesn't seem real but it's real and you know it, the other flip side of it is it's like i mean you know i i eat healthy i exercise tons you know yeah. and then you're you get a diagnosis with something like this and you're like what the hell yeah. You know, I thought I was in really good shape. You know? yeah. And I mean, the, the reality too is, I don't know what it's like in the States, but you know, here in Canada, like when I'm doing the, the chemo, I'm in the room with a bunch of other people mm. getting chemo for different things. And dude, there were some people there that were a lot worse off than I was. Yeah. So it's a very relative thing as well. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it gives you an appreciation that, uh, you do only have one body and one life and you know, you got to treat it as best as you possibly can. And occasionally these things happen and you know, it, it, you just do the best you can to be as yeah. healthy as you can be, you know, yeah. have you, have you had experiences in expeditions where you found that appreciation too? And, and how is this kind of like different from, from those, you know what I mean? Well, I think it, yeah, I've had these experiences for sure in expeditions. Yeah. I think, you know, expeditions, if you're if you're present in the expedition and you're learning from it, then you gain a humility from it, right? It humbles yeah. you in the same way that this does. This humbles me in the sense that, 
you know, like when I was prepping to go to the Arctic, I'm used to on Arctic expeditions, minus 80 winds. No problem. Yeah. Okay. If I get frostbitten, no problem. Yeah. This time I was like, Oh, can't get any frostbite. Cause if I get frostbite and I get an infection, yeah. you, you get really, really sick or even die from an yeah. infection. So I was like, well, you know, I gotta be careful. I can't just throw caution to the wind anymore. And, you yeah. know, so there was these, these temporary adaptive states that I would have to fulfill. Um, that made it very challenging and changed the perspective on, you know, your vulnerability and what you're able to do. But with this other eye, always looking to the future saying, well, yeah, but someday I'll be hopefully better than I was, you know, better than normal. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Keeps no, you going. Definitely, man. Well, I'm glad, like I said, I've been, I've been thinking about you a lot over the last six months or so. And uh, yeah. And I'm just thankful, you know, that, that you're you're feeling a lot better you're still getting crushed by by kids on trail runs though um but you're oh, able to dude, keep totally <laughs> oh my god it's just so brutal well my older one is uh 14 going on 15 and yeah. my friends i don't even bother trying to keep up and my youngest one uh is just turned 12 and yeah. uh for any of the you know your listeners that maybe they follow my instagram or maybe they don't they would see videos of her and I running in Death Valley this past winter. I mean, they're just both, they're both really great athletes, like in other sports, like in Nordic skiing and spring kayak and spring canoe. So they have these big engines. And so yeah. they just, but they're very good technical runners. You know, that's how young people are. Yeah. Like, I don't know when you start running, but I, like, I didn't start running really until I was like mid thirties or something yeah. like that. So, you know, running over rocks and roots, I learned how to do that as an adult basically yeah but they're doing it when they were three three and four years old that's when yeah. we started them right because it's our lifestyle and so uh you know now you know they've been running pretty much as long as i've been running maybe you know what i mean like it, it, it's in some weird way it's it's a weird thing where you know or, or maybe that math is a little bit off but you get what i'm saying like a greater <laughs> yeah. percentage of their life yeah has been spent running so, you know, they, they just are natural at it. Yeah. And they just fly over stuff that, you know, you or I may break or, or, or slow down or, you know, be afraid of twisting an ankle. They just run with abandon. Dude, the, you uh, know? every day I pick my kids up and my middle kid is like, dad, can I go run up the hill? And I'm like, sure. Why not? And she goes, she just sprints up this hill. And yeah. then every day she sprints down it. And I'm always like, she's going to like tumble or face plant or something. And it just never happens. Yeah. And I know that there's like just a couple kind of in, one interesting thing I think I've read, which is basically like kids running form is like perfect the way they're, feet yes. they're hitting. And it I is, watch yeah. it every time I see them running around, even around the house, I'm like, dang they have good running form <laughs> yeah right and it's and it's because it's not encumbered by sitting around and getting tight hip flexors and you know all these things too right yeah so their yeah. their movement is very flowy and they're not thinking about their feet being sore running around and their no. bare feet and i mean bare feet outside no problem i mean yeah. you know they just give her wherever they're going they run wherever they go yeah you know? they rarely walk they're only yeah. running well, and you know, that was the other stuff, the other thing. And it was like some article and it was like study shows that kids are uh, in the same shape as like uh, pro endurance athletes. And like, <laughs> and I read yeah. the article and it was about how they never, they never pushed it to the limit where they were like redlining. They were always in that zone two, basically. Yeah. And yeah. so I was just like, 
no shit says every parent ever like we know they yeah. don't they don't yeah. slow down <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but, yeah no, that's awesome yeah man well i want to hear like so your your kids are at a different stages than mine and they're really into these amazing sports um what what have you learned as a dad from watching them or supporting them through their goals and their sports yeah you know what it's a never-ending learning process and i've yeah. tried to learn from parents whose uh kids are older than than mine um you know and close friends of ours who their kids are now adults and i've watched what they've done um you know it's an interesting thing i, I you know i think that enabling them to decision make you know when it comes to the sports that they're in or the races they want to do or whatever it is mm, yeah i think that it makes a huge difference yeah you know and at some point realizing um that they've got to make those decisions for themselves i mean you you you, you try to give them as much advice as you can but what i've learned is they're actually really good at decision making you know um if you could trust them to do it yeah right yeah um you know there's obviously certain things where you know in life where you're like no nah, we better we gotta put the clamps on this there's no way but when it comes to the sports we're like all right well there's sport because the reality is dude our kids are doing sports that my wife and i don't do you know like spring kayak and spring canoe we have no interest in that <laughs> you know and have you, have you tried it seen this oh have yeah you? like years ago when i was training for uh adventure racing yeah uh, the, the, the paddling club that these kids are part of uh i was i, I got some lessons in a sprint <laughs> kayak yeah for and if any of your listeners have not seen a sprint kayak just google it because it'll blow your mind I mean, these things are like <laughs> yeah. right oh it's crazy you can't even like you're you're sitting in the boat hanging on to the dock and the boat <laughs> is trying to flip underneath you <laughs> like it's ridiculous the yeah. boat is like a foot wide maybe in the water <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous i don't know how long it is 10 feet long 15 feet long of carbon fiber it's just a missile on the water and they balance it with their cores and by um you know paddling it, it with a tremendous reach and pull so the boat is is constantly accelerating and moving forward and it and it the laws of physics it stays upright then yeah it's, it's just crazy and you know, it's not a sport that my wife and i do but they love it so you know <laughs> i i'm really interested about that because i actually am about to start teaching a decision making unit in school to my seventh graders um and so i think it's really interesting like the idea of like empowering them in this one area like they have a sport they're more of a expert at it than you guys are and so letting them kind of make the decisions about like, what kind of decisions are they making with this? Well, with my oldest daughter, for example, um, she was, uh, she competed at the provincial games this year in Nordic skiing. And, um, she's very serious about it. It's her passion. It's where she wants, she wants to pursue it. Um, you know, with the hopes of a much, you know, bigger level. And so she's at a current high school right now, um, and she's going to be changing high schools to another one where she can ski half the day. Oh wow! During ski season, obviously, and that was her decision. Yeah, 
right? And so, you know, you talk about it with them and, you, you know, you like, hey, you understand you're leaving your social group, you know, you're yeah. moving on and you're doing this thing. Yeah, 100%. This is what I want. It's what I want. So, I mean, that would be the biggest decision that we've allowed. Yeah, that's huge you know, decision in a kid's it, life. It's huge. It's a huge decision. But, you know, you, 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 15 years old, right? Got to, you know, they're, they're starting to make those decisions. And if it's positive ones and they're passionate about something, then got to give them the opportunity to try, right? And yeah. so, um, you know, and, and then it, it can be something as, as simple as, um, you know, not feeling it on the day, on a training day, and then deciding not to go, right? So you, you got to give them the opportunity to, to express when they're not feeling it or feeling good, yeah. right? Not the... Oh, you gotta go no matter what. You gotta push through. I mean, you don't, it's not oh my god, I could see the best. Thing. I could see myself yeah. saying that though. <laughs> like, how do you resist well, I mean, the dad to, temptation it, of that? Because they, yeah, but there are days when you do want to say that. You do. It sometimes you do have to. Yeah, but it's like that's the that's the fine line, right? Is knowing yeah. what days are the ones worth battling for and which ones are not. You know, and there is no answer. I mean, you just kind of go on intuition and hope it's right, you know? Yeah, man. Being a parent is difficult, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, 100%. It's all these decisions and you don't see the payoffs for, like, you know, the payoff eventually is your kids have a happy, healthy life, you know? And you you won't be around to see the payoff or you don't, like, you don't get to see that for 10 years or 15 years, you know? No, exactly. And I think the other thing too, like I used to, you know, because I post a lot about my kids because I'm so stoked that we get to go and do stuff together and they're yeah. getting in an age now where, you know, we could do gnarlier trips and more adventurous yeah. type things. And um, I'll get, you know, messages from people when they were younger and they we'd be out trail running and they'd say, oh yeah, Kevin, your kids always want to go trail running. And I'm like, actually, no, you're only seeing the photos of when it does go good, you know, but you know, yeah. in the old days, so like when they first started doing all this stuff, you know, there'd be meltdowns, there'd yeah. be like, it's all normal stuff. It's what kids yeah. do. But we did our best. My wife, Kathy and I did our best. We would say, okay, listen, here's the deal. If there's going to be these massive meltdowns, we're just not going. Yeah. We just won't go that day. Yeah. And if it means hanging out at the house, then we hang out at the house, you know, on the weekends, right? Like when they were younger and at school and well, they're still at school, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Most of the majority of the activity was during the weekend. And then when the pandemic hit and we were home all the time, we had so much time to just kind of like let the natural rhythm of things mm. figure out when we were running that we probably ran more and did more stuff as a family than ever before. Yeah. And so we were out on the trails all the time. So then, you know, there was this adaptive period, probably for their sports, that lockdown was probably the best thing. Yeah. I mean, as far as sports go, right? Because they weren't able to compete in any of their sports, but we were out on the trails all the time with yeah. them, you know, because yeah. we weren't at school. No, I know? love the idea of the natural schedule kind of, or not even yeah, schedule, kind of but like just natural rhythms of life because, you know, there's times where you're at home and it's, and it's great, but then all of a sudden, if someone has something scheduled, it's like stop everything you're doing we need to get out the door and that's always like a di very difficult part you know yeah totally totally yeah. and you know and and there's a franticness right um <laughs> of life right and we want to avoid that you know as much as possible but you know when you've got two days a week that you can get it on the trails with the kids because of school and activities and everything else 
then you want those two days to be perfect. And then that they aren't always, Yeah, you know, now that they're older, it's of course a lot easier, yeah. you know, but you know, that's the part I've been looking forward to. So. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, it kind of leads into kind of the last major thing I, I want to talk to you about. Um, and by the way, Ray, I have like so many th- like topics. I'm like, dude, I could talk to Ray for hours and hours and well, hours. Let's do, we'll do another one. <laughs> I know. That was like, on a game. I know. I know. Um, but this one, so it kind of ties into that idea um, of home life, dad life, uh, like whatever you'd call it, like domesticated life, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Versus being out there in the wilds, in the wilderness. And I just read the classic. It took me 36 years and I finally read um, The Call of the Wild by Jack okay. London. I don't know if you ever read mm-hmm. that book. When I was in high school. Okay, so <laughs> so just a summary, it's about this dog that had a nice comfy life or whatever, and then gets sent up to Alaska and has to like figure out the ways of the wilderness and stuff. And there's a lot of this that, kind of talks about like this main character in the book, like reconnecting with his kind of like core self, I guess. And I just want to hear your opinion about this or ideas about it because you have, you have the kind of like this side of you that's, that's dad, um, you know, has all the home responsibilities and stuff. And then you also go off and do all these amazing like adventurers, like, I'm, and I know the two sides definitely co- correspond to each other and things like that. But, but can you kind of talk like, what does it feel like to you kind of letting go of some of the regular routine and now you're like out on an expedition? What does that feel like? Well, it's very normalized here, like yeah. in my house, right? Like it's just, it's just what I do. It's what I've always done. Yeah. And so, you know, I just, you know, it's kind of a normal life thing for me. I go and I do it. Right. Um, You know, I, I I think it's interesting that as we get older and we start to look back at what was a priority before and how things start to shift Mm -hmm. and especially in today's world, how we look at things and what is prioritized as being the most important things in our life versus what we thought was going to be the most important things in our life. Yeah. Are sometimes much different. Right. And so, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, where my priorities were are not as either not exactly in the same place anymore. Yeah. Which start, you know, yeah. um, I'm much more focused on, uh, you know, now family, kids, obviously the expeditions, but, you know, uh, I, I love doing this stuff, but I, you know, I, I would say I even probably get more out of the impossible to possible youth expeditions or, yeah guiding clients in Catholic one with my guiding company. I really enjoy that. So, you know, those big lofty goals, personal challenges, et cetera, that I set for myself, there's a list basically, right? The, like whether or not you formulate an actual list, but there's, you know, I've crossed almost every large desert on this planet. <laughs> you know, even if you said to me, what's the next desert? I'm kind of like, well, you know what? I, yeah. you know, I've crossed all deserts that I really wanted to cross. I've been across the Arctic numerous times and, yeah. you know, cold expeditions. So the things I'm doing now that I have in my career, while I'm still able to do these things at a high level, are things that have real meaning to me yeah. in different ways, right? Than just the endurance aspect. Yeah. They all have a personal 
objective. And some of these personal objectives that I still have are very much based in endurance, but other ones are not. Like, you know, I have an epic Arctic expedition plan that's going to, it's not about how heavy is the sled that I can pull. Yeah. But it's more about the cultural aspect of the friends that I've made in the Canadian Arctic. Or, you know, coming off of this chemo, yeah, I want to prove it to myself that I've still got the chops to go out and really push my body. So, yeah, I am going to do something that's endurance-based and extremely, you know, extreme hot or extreme cold and all that jazz. Yeah. But, yeah, I think your perspective changes on things as you move through life. And especially with the way that we communicate with each other nowadays through social media, the landscape of of information, uh, inspiration, everything has changed completely. So what we see now and the things we, um, you know, what we see and what we learn about the things we think we want to do, we're digesting content in a much different way yeah, and getting a different message from it, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I was just trying to think of like how how I'm digesting adventure content. And at times for me, I'm like, I don't know if it's good for me to jump on YouTube and just watch adventures a lot of like all the time. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. I, I don't I'm curious to see what you say about that. Just mentioning like us digesting this stuff in different ways, like I just feel like it, at times it can like almost numb you to wanting yeah, well, to go out and do so, your own. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's, there's just so much stuff out yeah. there now. There's just so much yeah. that it can be overwhelming, you know? And I think that, um, you know, there was a time when we were younger where people would say to you, you know, if you really want to learn about the world, you got to travel, right? Yeah. Well, now, if you really want to learn about the world, you got to get on social media. Because right? I mean, it's just, that's how people are looking at things. Yeah. But really, the truth is no, you got to travel. You still got to you know, go meet people. You got to be in these different yeah. places. You have to taste the food, smell the, the yeah. air, meet the people, you know, become friends, not Facebook friends yeah. or Instagram friends, become actual friends, build physical relationships in the physical presence of people. Yeah. You know, and I think these are things that are that are lost in a lot of ways because the other alternative is just easy. It's easy yeah. and it's not deep. It's surface level, you know. Like I'll yeah, watch and, and, if and I watch an adventure. Yeah, if I go on YouTube and I'm like, oh, these like and some of them are amazing and absolutely oh, yeah. stunning. There's some that are just mind blowing. But there's some that I go on and I'm like, oh, like I want to watch well, sometimes I'm like, I want to see what that trail looks like. Maybe I'll do it someday. But then it kind of like numbs me to even like wanting to pursue it because I'm like, well, I just saw that. Like, but I'm not having yeah. experience. You know what I mean? I'm not feeling the wind in my hair or, uh, you know, sleeping on the ground or or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very strange to me. Like social media still to this day, it's been around for a while now, but it's still really strange to me at times. And it's, confusing and i i like it but i don't like it it's a very weird thing <laughs> yeah i'm the same i'm the same i would say and you know but you know we use it i post on it it's how i communicate with people yeah it's a double-edged sword because it i've is. made friends you and i met through social media yeah. you know i've made friends through social media that I otherwise would have never met before you know yeah. and so on on that aspect it's super positive so yeah it's a really interesting um you know polarity 
you know? It is. There, oh, man. So. I'm with you on that. Can you real quick tell me about, um, and I might say this wrong, but you're, well, can you talk about your expedition company? Yeah, so Capic One, it's K-A-P-I-K, yeah. number one. Capic One, um, we take people on expeditions that are modeled on the Impossible to Possible Youth Expeditions. And Impossible to Possible, as you know, uh, those are ex- learning-based expeditions where we take young people to the remotest parts of the world and they experience an expedition that's learning based and um you know they could be running up to half marathon a day I and mean, there's there's a lot of different things that can be happening on a youth expedition but the most important thing is we create a curriculum that our youth ambassadors while on expedition share with students in classrooms around the world so um you know that component that piece of it uh, the adventure aspect of it is where we built Capic One. And so Capic One, we said, hey, you know what? We can do these for adults too. Now, when we take kids on expeditions, it's free of charge completely. We cover all the costs and we're yeah. all volunteers. Yeah. But with Capic One, they're obviously paid expeditions yeah. um, for adults, but um, a percentage of each fee goes back to support impossible to possible. Oh, awesome. So it's really interesting, you know, how it's all worked out. And um you know, we've been getting clients from, gosh, all over the world going on these expeditions. Yeah. It's really exciting. What, what have been just a couple of like the past expeditions? Like where, where are you taking people? Well, well we recently we took a group uh, to the Atacama Desert. Um, before the pandemic, we had a trip that was going to Siberia. We have uh, Canadian Arctic on Baffin Island. We're planning trips next year uh, to the Gobi desert in Mongolia, but also we have this year Atacama coming up, Atacama desert in Chile and Baffin Island again. So we're always doing stuff, you know, we have special projects for those clients that have participated in trips previously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really neat. It's, it's a really fun thing to be part of. That's amazing, man. Where, uh, Ray, where can people kind of like follow your, your journeys and your expeditions well, and all that? It's, I, I always tell people, you know what, these days, Instagram is probably the easiest yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just raise Ahab, R-A-Y-Z-A-H-A-B. And then, you know, from there I have a link tree thing and then, you know, everything's on that link tree on my bio. Oh, that's know? perfect, man. This seems awesome. to be the easiest thing now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. But awesome. Well, Ray, dude, I like I said, I want to do many more episodes in the future with you because you're a fascinating, fascinating guy. Well, I appreciate that. And likewise, that goes right back to you. And uh, we'll stay in touch. And I look forward to uh, chatting again soon. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, huge thanks to Ray Zahab for coming back on the show. Um, I am very excited. In the future, we'll definitely have Ray on again. And please go check out everything he's doing. Um, he's an incredibly inspiring guy and definitely uh inspires me with with what he's been able to do i definitely i look up to him honestly um you know because sometimes i think like especially in the midst of winter i think now that summer is around the corner here and when i go run at 4 30 in the morning i can see the sun at times and the sunrise and i'm in beautiful colorado and i'm super lucky to be where i'm at um but, you know, there's this part of my heart that is like has this like almost like a like a wanderlust. Like I want to go out and I want to see the world. It's weird. Like I definitely I love being home. I love being dad. I love being husband. I love being ha- like 
being a teacher, like I love all these aspects of my life that are like more domesticated, I'd say. Um, but there is a part of me that's just like has this like call or whatever to just go out and see the world. And so I think I look up to Ray because he definitely seems to um, embody that kind of like balance there between those two sides, uh, you know, which I think is really, really cool. But there's something when you're out in the wilderness, I was trying to, when I read the book Call of the Wild and I brought it up in the podcast, I was trying to like figure that out. Like what, what does that feel like when you're like in the middle of the wilderness and you're relying on yourself and your instincts and your gut and, and stuff like that. And I think it's just, to me, it brings you back to this, like very incredibly human experience, you know, um, where you kind of take away a lot of the distractions that we have every day. And, you know, some of the distractions like are incredibly important in our everyday lives. But when you're in the wilderness, those distractions go by the wayside, um, you know, like technology. I love being out where technology is not working. You know, you can't get a phone signal. Um, I think that is a huge part of of our, you know, maybe not fully connecting with what it's like to be a human at this point is the constant distractions uh, from our phone, the constant um, communication, the constant, I don't know, just distractions, I guess you'd say. Um, and I think when you're out there and you're just moving through the woods or the desert or the mountains and it's just you and your movement, I think there's something really rewarding uh to that and obviously it's something that I love you know uh, we talk about a lot on the podcast I integrate it into my life as much as I can like by going on daily trail runs but when you're in a new location and you're you're out there all day long like that's a different experience you know and I think there's something to be said about having those experiences while also balancing the joy and the beauty that you find from from your routine and from your life and I think the way those two things kind of intersect is always fascinating to me. Um, and then you throw in something like what Ray has been um, kind of got thrown at him with uh, the lymphoma and the chemo and stuff. And that's when life gets really, really real um, very quickly. And, and you do, you have to fall back on these lessons you've learned in other areas of your life. And, uh, you know, I think after talking with Ray and listening to him and following his journey, like he just seems to have done such a wonderful job at, at integrating those lessons into his everyday. And that is awesome. And I'm super appreciative to be able to sit down and chat with him and, and kind of have him open up and be so open and share his story. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was really, I mean, this is a great example of why I love doing the podcast is because not only do I get to spread goodness and share this wonderful perspective, but I also get to hear it, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one and I get to, you know, pick out the lessons and, and learn from this other person who I respect. So anyways, uh, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and we will get back at you next week.